Hey there and welcome to the Duncan Pentecostal Church podcast streaming from Vancouver Island here in Canada. And however you have found our podcast, we're so glad you're here. Before we jump into today's message, just a couple things I want to let you know. If you go to our website, www.duncanchurch.com, you're going to find a couple easy ways where you can connect with us. We have an online connect card you can fill out. Maybe let us know where you're listening from and check off the option to receive our what's happening email we send this out once a week it's a great way to stay connected with everything that's going on here at the church and even online apart from that there is a give button so if you're feeling led you can do that right online through our website you can also find us on facebook and youtube we are so glad you're tuning in and we are believing that god's going to do something special in you through today's message enjoy Before, I want to talk, take about 30 minutes this morning and talk about, uh, really about DPC, kind of our mission, who we are as a church. What are we about? That if you attend, maybe some of you have never been to the church. Yeah, we're not there yet, but that's the right one. Um, <laughs> you can go to a slide before that one. A little bit about who we are as a church, what we're about. If you come here from week to week, what can you expect? Some of you, I, you know, I know I recognize some new faces and other people that maybe don't regularly attend here. And, and so I want to talk about a little bit of our mission, who we're about. It's really encapsulated, if I could put it that way, with a tagline or a phrase that we sometimes use from time to time. We sometimes use it even before the sermon gets started that can go on the screen now, Bill. Um, this is our mission. This is what we are trying to accomplish. The whole word for the whole believer for the whole world. The whole word. Where's my Bible? How did I leave my Bible? What? Yeah, I know, bad. Thank you. The whole word, meaning the Bible. The whole word for the whole believer, for the whole world. See, we believe this, that when, when we teach the whole word of God, it will develop and produce whole believers that in turn reach the whole world. And so I want to take just a few minutes this morning to, to kind of break this tagline down, this catchphrase down, and talk a little bit about it, why we believe this and do this. Number one being this, we teach the whole word for a number of reasons. I'm only going to talk about two this morning. The first one being is that it is God's word. It's God's word. And because it's God's word, it has power and life. Jesus said this in John 6, 63. He said, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Literally, this this word of God is full of the Spirit of God and the life of God is in it. I've actually, I remember hearing about somebody that was in China. They don't have the word of God like we have the word of God accessible here. And this, this woman that was in China that was crippled, her hands were turned in, her feet were all gnarled. She couldn't walk. She was crippled. And she had one page from the Gospel of Mark. That was it. And they would share in their village, they would share different pages from the Gospel of Mark. That's all they had. And she would read this page over and over and over and then flip it over. And you know what? As she read this one page from the Gospel of Mark, her hands began to open up and her feet opened up. She, she was actually healed. There is life. There's actual life in these words. Not only that, there's power. Isaiah 55 verses 10, 11. It tells us that, that, look at what it says. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. 
It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We know that when it rains, our grass starts to get green. Things start to grow. When it snows, it, it waters the ground. It produces life. And God says, just as the rains have, they accomplish what they were sent to do, so will his word accomplish all that it was sent to do. How many of you are, how many of you are thankful that your words don't always accomplish everything that they say? Seriously, think about it. I have, who here has some bad days from time to time? Yeah, sometimes I have good days, sometimes I have bad days. I'm thankful that my words don't accomplish everything that they say. Kids, are there any of you that, that maybe you've said something when you've maybe been angry that you wish you maybe hadn't said? Any kids out there that maybe have regretted saying certain things? Maybe. Maybe you're like, I wish I never knew you. I wish you weren't my brother. I wish you weren't my sister. I never want to hear from you again. Don't talk to me again. Can you imagine if our words had the power to accomplish what they said? That'd be horrible. Can you imagine driving? Get out of the way! And the car just goes off the road. (laughs) This could actually be really good sometimes, couldn't it? Thankfully, though, my words fall short. My words don't accomplish everything that I intend for them to do. Thankfully. But that's not the same with God's word. God's word, he says, will accomplish everything he sent it to do. There's power behind the word of God, behind this book. It's changed my life, and I've watched it change, honestly, thousands of others as well. And so what you can expect at our church is the whole word. Instead of you hearing me talk about my thoughts and my ideas with a little bit of this sprinkled in between, what you're going to hear is this with a little bit of my thoughts and my words sprinkled in between. That's what you're going to get at Duncan Pentecostal Church. That's the focus that we have. Even our kids' church. You you know, Dana, like, the stuff she teaches our kids, I don't know if I learned even in Bible school. This, this past year, they were learning all about like, the northern and the southern kingdom and all the different kings and, and who ruled at what time. Like, it's crazy stuff. The, the kids downstairs aren't just learning the simple, you know, Jesus loves me. Okay, goodbye, go home. They're learning deep truths of the word of God because even Dana with the kids believes that this is the word of God and it's going to change kids' lives too. And so we want to start young. In fact, they probably, they probably know more than I do. We might need Dana to switch roles here and she can do the... The teach. They actually, this last summer, I'm going to invite kids that are a, part, a regular part of our kids' ministry. Can you guys come up? Can you guys come up here? Miss Dan is going to lead you. I'm told that there's a, a special... You guys can come right up on the stage. Yeah, Dana can spiel. So as the kids come, Dan is going to let you know kind of what's going on. So I, I'm saying those that regularly attend, any kids welcome to come, but they just might not know what they're doing because they weren't here for the summer. So. Okay. Well, um, in DPC Kids this summer, we have been learning about the character of God. And so we are not going to sing a song. We're just going to speak truth over you this morning. These are anchoring truths so that, you know, our feelings don't always indicate what is really going on, but we can speak these truths out even to ourselves. So, um, yeah, we are going to get started. We have some actions, too. Um,
watch me and I'll do the actions. Okay, ready? God, you are good. You are always with me. You are my help. You are my shield. You are the God who works wonders. You are never changing. You are forgiving. You are my king. Good job, guys. Woo! You all get to go on the bouncy castle now. Good Woo! job. And, and even kids that didn't come up. Yes. And yeah. even kids that didn't come up, but especially these ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, but kids, before you sit down, uh, Miss Dan is going to lead you now downstairs for the rest of the message. And I think we're going to go this way. Are we going to go this way, Miss Dana? This way. All right, so through here. Yeah, go ahead. You can open that door and just start heading downstairs. Parents following the service will get you to pick up your kids from the back doors. Don't you just love all this? Look, there's no one here anymore. Where'd everyone go? <laughs> you looking for the mic? Yeah. I think she stole it. Oh, it's back. So it's already back. I love that we have this many kids. It's fantastic. When Andrew and I came to the church, I don't know, about 13 years ago now, there was our kids and maybe a couple more. So it's exciting to see what God has done. We love it. Um, so, so God's word, powerful, life. But not only that, um, secondly, we teach the, world, the whole word, not just because it's powerful, but because it's all valuable. All of it is valuable. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. It says that all scripture, notice it, how much of scripture? Come on, say it. All. all. Not most of scripture, not just the parts that I like, not just my favorites, but all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, or sorry, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All of it has value. If, I'm, if, if I were totally honest with you right now, so as a church, uh, what I'm saying is this. We actually take books of the Bible, and we walk through that book of the Bible from start to finish, verse by verse. We cover every verse in that book. If I didn't do that, if, if I'm honest, I would probably talk to you about the same five or ten things. I would. Because I've got favorites. I've got things that I really want to talk about. And there's other things in here I really don't want to talk about. Right? That it's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to teach about that. And I would kind of teach about maybe five or ten different things, and I would wrap them up in different scriptures and a little different theme, but it would probably be the same things. Uh, why do I know that? Because I was a youth pastor for many years, and that's kind of what I did. But, but this forces me to teach every little bit of it, instead of just my, what I would call my hobby horses, you know, the things, my favorites. Because every word of God's word is God breathed. That means it's all valuable. And so that's what we do. About 90% of the time as, as a church here, you will come and you'll see that we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, from start to finish through a book. In fact, think about even how just a book in general is written. If you've read any sort of book, usually there are what are known as chapters, right? And you begin in chapter one. Yeah, and then what do you do once you're done chapter one? Chapter two. This is right, and then after chapter two, chapter three. You guys are good. You've read a book before. Why is it then that when we read the Bible, we'll start in a book and then we'll jump from this book to that book to that book? To, do you know what I'm saying? 
Did God maybe lay out those books of the Bible in a particular way for a particular reason? For instance, next Sunday, we'll be back in the book of Zechariah, and we'll be looking at chapter 13. Why will we be looking at chapter 13? Because it comes after 12. You guys are so good. And we already talked about chapter 12. So we're going to be now talking about chapter 13 next Sunday. And that's what we do. We walk through it in that way. The first book that I ever taught verse by verse to us as a church, I don't know if anybody, I'm looking for any that might have been here. Was anyone here for the book of Ephesians? Amy, you were here? Okay, well, yeah, so there's a few. Okay, a few were here for the book of Ephesians. That was the first book I ever taught verse by verse uh, to our church. And uh, the book of Ephesians, I got to be honest, the first three chapters of that book, it's all about being seated in Christ. It's stuff that if you've gone to church for more than a year, you've heard. Jesus loves me, this I know, kind of stuff, you know. It's like you were dead in your sins and your trespasses, and, but God made you alive in Christ and all these things. And I was like, I honestly was like, okay, I really feel like God's calling me to teach verse by verse. But I was like, God, I'm going to get fired before I get started. Because how, the, the church knows that Jesus died for them. The church knows that God loves them. And it keeps going on. You, you've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And I'm like, oh, God, this is... But you know what happened? When I got to chapter 4, halfway through the book, all of a sudden something changes. See, I would have much rather started at chapter 4 because chapter 4 is all about the practical, the, how, the, the living for God, the, the live this way, do these things, right? And I get to chapter 4. You know what the first part of chapter 4 is? The first word is, therefore. So I'm like, okay, well, that's important. That's an important word in Scripture if you've ever read the Bible. You always, when you see a therefore, you ask, what? What is that therefore, therefore? Does that make sense? What is that therefore, therefore? Separate words, right? That totally, I made it very clear, I know, with my hand gestures. So it starts, and so the start of chapter 4 says, therefore, basically saying this, because of what I just talked about and established about being seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, he says, therefore, walk this way. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Oh. I realized right away, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, no wonder, I honestly, as a Christian for much of my life, I felt like I would be falling all the time. I'd be failing, I'd be trying to live for Jesus, and I'd be like, falling on my face all the time. Because I hadn't learned, honestly, how to be seated in him first. How to be grounded, how to be rooted. How many of you have kids? Any of you have kids here? A bunch of liars out there, you just don't even... I know a bunch of you do have kids. If you have a child, you know this, that we have two children. And when our, when our daughter was born, Rebecca, I mean, she couldn't do anything. You, you, I mean, literally, all she could do was lie. I mean, that's probably where we got to start. You got to learn how to lie in Jesus. Just lay there, because that's, that's the real starting point. And with Rebecca, I mean, there's, I mean, think about it. As a baby, you can even, you had to hold her head or it would fall off, right? If you don't hold her head up, it like falls on the floor, and then you got to pick it. So you got to be careful with these babies, right? They can't, you know. So this baby we have, all she can do is lay. But eventually we started to help her start to sit up, right? She started to learn how to sit. And we put pillows around her and, and she would sit and she'd kind of bunk and fall back over, right? She hadn't developed the core yet, the core muscles. And in the same way, when it comes to living for Jesus, oftentimes we skip the whole sitting part and we go straight to the walking part. Now, what if I had taken Rebecca as a baby I'm holding her head, it's not going to fall off, but I'm holding her hands too. And I'm like, now walk. And I stand her up and she, what would happen? Crumble. You don't do that with a baby. You teach them, well, they first of all lie. Just lie in Jesus. That's what we got to first of all what to do. 
but learn how to sit. Once they learn how to sit, then they start to learn how to walk. They strengthen their core. We need to have our core in Christ strengthened before we learn how to walk in Christ. God laid out his word in a particular way. It just hit me so hard in the book of Ephesians. This is why it's laid out the way it's laid out. You know, the other beautiful thing of how it's laid out is that it also, and because we teach it this way, we teach it as it comes. So we talk about prayer as it comes. We talk about giving as it comes. We talk about sin as it comes, salvation, healing, all these things, repentance, proportioned really in the way that God laid it out. And the beautiful thing is then you can't blame me. And I have been blamed, believe me, I've been blamed many times about talking about certain things too much. And I'm like, take it up with him, I, right? We just walk through the, the Bible. And, and, and so, and it's crazy too, you know, there's a number of times that people have said after sermons even, like I've had this happen where people are like, were you listening to my conversations last week or did my wife tell you to say something? <laughs> right? Like that kind of a thing. And it's like, no, it's just the word of God. The word of God applies and is applicable to all situations at all times. It just is perfect that way. And so, so we allow the whole word to teach us. And that's what we do. We teach the whole word because ultimately what it's going to do is develop and produce whole believers. So we already read 2 Timothy 3.16. It says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. But notice what it goes on to say in verse 17. So that, so, the, so all of scripture is, is valuable, important, breathed out by God. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is what the word of God is meant to do, to equip you, to train you, to raise you up, to build you up so that you are a whole believer. You see, you can be a believer or you can be a whole believer. Someone who believes in Jesus or someone who holistically believes in Jesus. That, in other words, all of my life is shaped and conformed to what he says in his word. Following him, his ways, his commands. Not that we're perfect, but that day by day we're learning a little bit more how to look like Jesus in our life. Another way to look at it is maybe like this. A believer, you could say, is a convert. Someone who believes in Jesus, puts their faith in him for salvation. And a whole believer, I'd say, is a disciple. A disciple. You see, we're all disciples. Do you know that? Every single one of you in this room is a disciple. Everybody in this world is a disciple of someone or something. Right? Like we, we are becoming more like someone or something. That's what a disciple is. They observe, they learn, and they become like that person or that thing. There are disciples of Taylor Swift. <laughs> Not a word of a lie. They are known as, well, maybe you know, what are they called? Look at you already know. Swifties. Swifties are Taylor Swift disciples. And Taylor Swift disciples, they talk like Taylor, they think like Taylor, they dress like Taylor, right? They're, they're Swifties. They're disciples of Taylor Swift. They're disciples of the world, right? They, the, the people that dress like the world, talk like the world, think like the world. There's also disciples of Jesus. When I say dress like Jesus, I, I don't mean like you have to wear like a long robe, and although I'm wearing sandals this morning, so I'm on my way. Uh, but no, what I mean is that obviously allowing him to say like, you know, that's maybe not an appropriate way to dress. We allow him to influence every bit of our life. We talk, we think, we do what Jesus would do. And when we immerse ourselves in the whole word, we'll become more like Jesus. We'll become more, uh, we'll become whole believers, also known as disciples of Christ. 
which is really the mission that Jesus called us to. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20 says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and do what? Make disciples of all nations. Well, what does that look like? Well, he's going to tell us. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that's just a sign of salvation. That means you've got to tell someone about Jesus. And then they, when they, they give their life to Christ, they, they get baptized. It's a picture of their old life being buried under the water with, with Christ's death and then being raised to new life in him. That's what baptism is simply a picture of. And then he goes on and says this. So you, you, you leave them to me and then you teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's how a disciple is made. You follow the teaching, the, the, the commands of that person. And then he says this, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And the cool thing is Jesus promises to be with us the entire time that we do this. And making disciples, whole believers, that is our job. That is our job, not just as a church, but as followers of Christ, as believers. Our job is to go make disciples. He didn't say, he didn't say pastors, go make disciples. He said, you, go, disciples of Christ, make more disciples. And so the process can vary. It, it, it looks like different things. Part, one, part of the process is what we do here on Sunday mornings through the preaching of God's word is one of the steps that we take to help make disciples, whole believers. There's also programs that we have that help with the discipleship process. We're beginning Alpha. We noticed, we met as a board this past um, summer in June. We talked about kind of a discipleship process, things that were maybe lacking or missing. One of those things was an entry point for people that don't yet know Jesus. And it was like, you know what, we, we feel we need to run Alpha as a starting point, a base point for people to come to know Christ, to ask those questions that they wouldn't maybe get to ask on a regular Sunday morning. So we have Alpha and other parts of the discipleship process would be things like the Hearing God Seminar that we teach, Set Free Retreats to help you get unstuck from your bondage and your, your destructive habits and attitudes. But I'd say this as well, that it especially, discipleship especially looks like finding your place in the body of Christ. That's what discipleship really looks like finding your place. The, the church is not, let me just be clear here, the church is not this beautiful building. It's not. It isn't this space that we meet in. The church is all of us. We are known as the body of Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. We are a body. Jesus is the head of that body. Me, I'm, I'm like the armpit. Dave Frankie's the bum. Dave's not here this morning. I pick on him anytime because whether he's here or not, I love the guy. Uh, he's actually, he's got, a, he's, he's got a good excuse. It's okay. He's got a valid hall pass. Um, he's, his sister is quite sick, and so he's had to leave. He just texted me yesterday. Um, he's going to visit her. But um, anyway, what are you? I'm the armpit. Dave's a bum. What, what, what's your part? What's your part? What is your place in this body that we are here? You know, this is one of the reasons that we have the last Sunday of the month community gatherings is so that you can be a part of a body in an intentional way the last sunday of every month we meet not here as the church but we meet out there as the church in homes all over this valley so that every part every part of the body can participate and have a role all the armpits all the bums all the knees all the all the feet all the hands they all have a part and they're all needed because here's the thing on a sunday morning you know i've talked about this before there's about 20 percent that kind of do all the stuff you think about it right it's an actual business principle called the Pareto Principle, that 20% of uh, even a store, 80% uh, of the profit is brought in by 20% of the product. 
And in the same way, uh, 80% of the work is done by 20% of the body, in the, 20% of the body in the church. And if you think about that, that only 20%, think of a body that's only functioning at 20%. Is that a healthy body? Are you unsure? I'll tell you now, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but it is. It's not a healthy body. In fact, if, if you're missing 80% of your body, you're not just healthy, you're, you're, I don't even know if you're a body, right? It's not really a body at all. And if you aren't, it, here's the thing, if we aren't whole believers functioning together in our role of how God's created us to plug in with one another, we're missing parts. This is why we have our community gatherings on the last end of the month, so that you have a part to play, so that you can function with the body. You can, you can do church on a deeper, more intimate level with one another and have a role. I, I want to read to you this email. Um, Connor sent it to me just on, uh, I think it was Friday, Thursday. I don't know, last week. I think it was Thursday. And, um, and I, I said to him, hey, do you mind if I read this? It, I, I think it just nails a little bit of our heart behind community gatherings. I said, hey, Peter, I was reading uh, Mark 7 this morning, he actually sent this at 7.04 a.m. Wow. Um, I was reading Mark 7 this morning, and my Bible study, my study Bible mentioned how Jesus went to Tyre because he wanted some private time with his disciples. And all through Mark, we see Jesus downplaying his celebrity and trying to limit the effect, of his, the effect his fame would have on his ministry, which was discipling his people. That was the key focus of his ministry, discipling his people. It struck me. Jesus wanted less time with the crowds so he could focus on the few uh, the Father had given him. But these days as Christians, we focus so much on the crowd and we treat the intimate time with the few as an optional add-on for those who like that sort of thing. I realize I often think about community gatherings idealistically as trying to do church more like the early church. And I think that there is something to that. But they are so much more than that. Community gatherings are just good discipleship. And they are probably the most effective discipling method an organization like a modern church has at its disposal. The crowds came to Jesus because of the food, the wonder and the awe, the novelty, and they passively took what they wanted and left the rest. Those who were in relational proximity with Jesus were forced to do something with what they experienced. It's the same with big church on a Sunday morning versus the conversations we have with each other, with, with each other as we come to know and be known with a group of people. Community gatherings are the best way as a church we can disciple and be discipled. Anyway, just a thought I'd throw that, I just thought I'd throw that by you. I'm excited for the fall and to see what God does with community gatherings. Connor. I thought that just nailed it. That just hit it so much of what our heart is behind all of this. So we've restructured once again. This is our third year trying community gatherings. And we're, we know, listen, we know it has not totally worked. We know there's been struggles, there's been some great points, some low points. Um, what we have done this year is we've changed it so that we have what we call partners in ministry, leaders that we've pulled together that will share the load together, hosting, facilitating, different components of it. Um, but, but this time what we've done differently is that we are also now allowing you to choose your group. So in the past, we basically put all the groups together and said, this is where you're going, that kind of thing. And, and, and we don't want this to be a popularity contest. That's not at all what we're aiming for. Oh, I want to go there. We actually want to encourage you to pick a group where you don't know, perhaps, all the leaders of that group so that you can grow in, in, in relationships with one another. One of the most beautiful things we've seen with our community gatherings, there's been numerous things, but um, is, is when 
the first year we did it, we did it geographically. I've mentioned this before, but we had, uh, in our group, we were just going around the circle saying, you know, where do you live? And we all kind of lived close to each other and said, you know, oh, so-and-so says, oh, yeah, I live on this street. And, and the, someone else in the group says, sorry, what? Yeah, I live on that. What's your address? And they say their address, and they realize they live across the street from each other. They go to the same church, live across the street from each other, and didn't even know it. That we, you know, that we would get to know one another on a deeper level. We've seen kids, and we don't have like a big kids program with it, but I think it's good. I think it's okay that kids recognize that, that, that church can be just in home, that actually it's good for kids just to have fun. Sometimes at our gatherings, we would just hear the kids playing and laughing. That's good. That's okay. We don't have to be so serious all the time. But I've also seen where kids have maybe come into the, the, the communion part of it in the morning. And I'll never forget this one time where a, a child's in with the communion part and, and we're talking about prayer requests and before we take communion. And, and, and um, this one little girl, four years old at the time, uh, uh, we're going around, somebody had made a request, her dad actually had made a request for someone else, a friend. And we're saying, well, who wants to pray for this? Who wants to pray for this? Who wants to pray for this? And I say, who wants to pray for so-and-so? This four-year-old girl. Oh, I will. I'll pray for daddy's friend. In a group of like 20 adults and some kids. That's the church. That is the, that's, that's discipleship. When a child goes, this is normal. This is what I do. I sing to Jesus in my home. I read about Jesus in my home. I talk about Jesus in my home. I pray with adults in my home. That's church. And so after the service in the foyer, there are uh, some new lists. Just, all it is is just the, the, the leaders and then the address that they'll be meeting at for the first meeting. Sign up. Find one that you can be a part of and sign up. Invest in the body. Well, ultimately, we believe this, that, that when we have the whole word and we become whole believers, we're going to reach the whole world. When you spend time in the word, you'll become like the word. Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, in turn, you'll have a heart like Jesus for the world. That's what'll happen. Naturally, that's what's going to happen. The Bible says that the word became flesh, John chapter one, and made his dwelling among us, talking about Jesus. God is the word. Jesus, the word became flesh. Do you know the word can still become flesh today? You've probably heard that quote by D.L. Moody, where he says, you know, out of a hundred people, 99, sorry, one will read the Bible, 99 will read the Christian. See, the word can still become flesh today. This can still take on flesh and blood in you and in me. That's what the world looks for. You know, John 3.16, you've probably heard this verse before. It says, for God so loved, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God has a heart for the nations. His heart is for the world. He loves the world. So should we. Do you know what I love? I love that we are beginning to see the nations represented in our church. That, that we have people from, from all over the world. Mexico, Brazil. Uh, we've, got, we've got people from Fiji. Uh, we've got from Ukraine and Germany, from Africa. All these different people, the nations gathering together. Uh, what? I'm looking over here, and Nicole's like, yeah. I'm like, what's something over there? <laughs> Just but lost the laptop. We are seeing the world come here because God has a heart for the world. I think of it this way. If you, you know, as Christians, I think in some ways it's kind of an idea like this. We've all been born into like a cave. 
Just, just pitch blackness, all of us. That's, that's how we're born. We can't even see. We have no idea what's going on. And we're, we're there with our family. And we're, we're raised in this cave. But then one day we discover there's like, what's that thing? It hurts my eyes that's over there. And it's all fuzzy and blurry. And we get closer and clearer and we see it's light. There's an exit to the cave. And what happens? We leave that cave and we discover that there's a world not only with light but with color. There's all kinds of things out in that world. And what do we do? Do we leave that cave and we're like, see you later, family. Ha ha, sucks to be you. Right? No, that's not what we do. We're like, we go back. We're like, you gotta come, you gotta come find this. You gotta see this. Is that not what you would do? I hope you would. That's what we should do. And it's the same with Jesus. When we discover the light of the world, we should want to tell the world. Our hearts will change. We'll want others to know who the Bible calls the light of life. Just like God wants the world to know, we should want the world to know. You know, there's a bit of a, I'm going to steal this from our missions committee. The mission of DPC, we're talking a little bit about the mission of DPC. The mission of DPC is the mission of God. And I love how the missions committee talks about this. And the mission of God is missions. It's the mission of God. Have you thought about this, that we serve a missionary God? Think about it. The very start of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, the fall of humanity, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, what did he do? He didn't just leave Adam and Eve and, oh, well, dummies, right? right? He, didn't, he didn't do that. He, he wasn't, even then, he, he wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to start over, squish. Right? He didn't. What did he do? He went looking. He went calling for them, for Adam and Eve, for you and for me. In fact, it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, you know what he said? Where are you? He is a missionary God. He goes. He finds. He wanted to, to repair that broken relationship that there was between us and him. And he did it by coming, by dying, by giving his life in our place. And I want you to know this morning, maybe you're here, you, you need to know this, that, that God is still looking for you. If he hasn't found you, he's looking for you. He's searching for you right now. Stop playing hide and seek. Let him find you today. Give your life to him. His heart is for you. He loves you. In fact, he gave his life for you. He wants to give you hope and a purpose to live. He wants to take your, your shame and your sin, your brokenness. He wants to give you peace and life. But I'll say this as well. If you have found the light, it's time to take it to others. One of the ways is this thing here called Alpha. If you found the light, bring it to others. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Last words of Christ. What did he say? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A witness for Jesus. That's what we're called to be a witness. A witness just simply is somebody that just says, just testifies. That's, that's what they did. That's a witness. That's what Jesus did in me. That's all, that's all it is. And it begins, he says, in Jerusalem. That's where they were. But he said it spreads out, Judea, Samaria, and then he says to the ends of the earth. And maybe you can't go to the ends of the earth, to the whole world. But you know what you can do is you can support those that do. That's what we believe in as a church. We actually have this new display in the foyer that Dana and Vic put together uh, last week that is amazing, this wooden map of the world. And it shows you our global partners and, and who we support. Our, right now, our, our, our missions giving is actually a little bit behind. And I would encourage you today, go check that out. Go see what it is. I believe we're going to have somebody there following the service with a debit. And yeah, Kareem's going to be there with a credit and debit machine if you want to give towards supporting those global workers that we support. Give to missions. Let Jesus impact the world through your life. 
I want to wrap up this morning, but three things I want to wrap up with. Number one, I want to give an opportunity to know Jesus. The, the Word, the Word of God. He's looking for you. God is looking for you. And maybe you've been running and you've been hiding. I want to give you that opportunity this morning to give your life to Christ. The second opportunity I want to give is to commit to go deeper, to take the whole Word and to become a whole believer. Fully devoted disciple of Christ, to go deeper with one another through community gatherings. Sign up in the foyer following the service. You can go out there, you can see, put your name on the list. And the third opportunity is I want to give you to reach the whole world. Reach the whole world. Maybe that means going. Might mean going. I would love it if our church became a sending church and we had missionaries going out from our church. Go. We actually have, Dana is doing a, a reconnaissance mission for us in October. We have some new global workers that we're supporting, Broad, Broad, Brad and Roxanne Murray. Uh, who are in Costa Rica. And so she's going to go spend some time with them and see what it might look like to take a short-term team from Duncan Pentecostal Church, maybe at some point there. There's others in our church, Steve Fitzpatrick, in the new year. They take a team every year to the Dominican. Led people last year to Christ. He's going to share a little more, I think, leading into the new year, kind of of some of that experience and how we can be involved with that. Maybe you can't go, well, then I would say this, give. Give to the work that God is doing around the world. Can we stand together as we close this morning? I'm going to invite the team to quickly come back. They're going to just close us off with just a, a, a short song this morning. But I want to, like I said, give the opportunity this morning. If there's anybody here that would say, I don't know Jesus, I, I have not committed my life to him, I want you to have that opportunity. I would love to talk with you to explain just a little bit of what that looks like of following him, of what it means to become a disciple of Jesus, a full, whole believer in him. So can we just, even right now in this moment, can we just close our eyes as we just prepare to close? Father, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that it's living and active. So many scriptures we could have gone on with that. Lord, that it's at work right now in my life and in our lives, even in this place this morning. I thank you, Jesus, that you came and that you gave your life in our place, that you made a way for us to have hope and to have purpose, to come back to you. And Father, I pray right now that if there's anybody in this room joining us online or right here, right now in this room that do not know you, that have not put their faith in you, that God, today would be the day that they would trust in you, that they would look to you, that they would, they would see that their life that they've lived hasn't worked, but... but that, Lord, if they put their trust and their hope in you, that you can change everything. doesn't mean it's always going to be good. It does not mean that. But it means you'll always be with us. You will always be present. And we can look forward to a hope forever with you in eternity. If you're online and you want to make a decision to walk with Jesus, can you send an email or get in contact with Stuart? to put in the comment section. I'll make sure to reach out to you. If you're here, though, in the house this morning and you want to put your faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus, would you mind just putting up your hand? I'd love to give you a Bible. I would love to. There's one of you. Is there anybody else? You want to put your faith in Jesus this morning? I would love to connect with you. Just help with next steps. Anybody else this morning that would say that? There's one in the very back as well. Well, Father, I thank you for these lives. 
that are making a commitment to follow you, Jesus, that are saying, I don't get everything, I don't understand all of it, but I do know that there's a God that loves me, that gave his life for me, and that the sin and the shame and the regrets of the past, he wants to pay for all of it. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Lord, we thank you for these lives this morning. We thank you, God, for the hope that you bring. We love you. We love you. We thank you, though, that you first loved us. It started with you. Praise you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Duncan Pentecostal Church, located here in Duncan, British Columbia, on beautiful Vancouver Island. At DPC, we believe in teaching the whole Bible to build whole believers who can impact the whole world. For more information about us, find us online at www.duncanchurch.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Duncan Pentecostal Church. Have a great day.